Life is hectic, demanding, and doesn't stop. When honest with ourselves, we must confess we often don't know what the hell we're doing. The LARCast is an ongoing conversation about the inclusive and mischievous nature of God's presence through the lens of all the things that make up this phenomenon we refer to as life. Astonishing grace and refreshing honesty collide right here for your weekly encouragement. Welcome back to the LARCast. My name is Tony, and as always, I'm joined by my wonderful, talented, handsome, Southern bud, Russ Johnson. At first, I didn't know who you were talking about. I was like, wait a minute, somebody else here? Is someone else coming to this podcast? We got a guest. (laughs) I'm going to kick the podcast off this way. How is your summer going? It's, it's, I know it just started, but how, how's your how's your summer kicking off? Uh, okay, we kicked off with a quick trip to Asheville to see some family. My nephew graduate. That was cool. But then since then, I've been on the road, man, with some work stuff. And um, yeah, I've been burning up the roads, man. But I am heading home in a couple of days, and my family and I are going on some vacation time. Nice, dude. So, I've been burning be- up the road in a different way. I've been riding my motorcycle a lot. And um, my buddy, uh, my riding partner, Jake and I, uh, we just did a, a killer, killer little trip this last weekend um, after I got home from a short little vacation with my family in southern Indiana, stayed at a cabin in Brown County State Park, spent some time in Bloomington uh, at IU's campus, going to some food spots and coffee spots. Um, so that was cool. Then we got back. Uh, we did a trip, uh, went to Michigan. And then from Michigan, we went over to South Bend to Notre Dame's campus. And of course, they have the uh, the famous touchdown Jesus painting there on campus. Yeah. And I was I telling Jake about it. I was like, yo, like we got to go see touchdown Jesus in the Golden Dome over at Notre Dame. And it's a private Catholic college. And um, so we're like riding around campus trying to find it and we find it. But it's like there's no roads that lead up to it. It's just sidewalks. Well, we wanted to get a picture in front of it. And we we're like, all right, dude, like, here we go. So we ride our bikes up on these sidewalks past all these barricades and into this like big grassy area. <laughs> we like quick, quick park our bikes. We're like switching each other, like in front of the thing, like taking pictures. And then we hop on it and take <laughs> off really, really quick. And it's like, you know, when I was younger, I used to get into a lot of just like dumb trouble, you know? Yeah. Um, misdemeanor type stuff. And, um, and sometimes a little bit more than that. Um, so what you're telling us is but, that uh, you miss the misdemeanor days, <laughs> but it's just, I, I just think it's, I just think it's funny. Like I'm not like this outlaw biker, but, uh, I will get in trouble with some like university security every once in a while, you know? And, and to me, that's like enough just to kind of like scratch that, scratch that itch. Yeah. Belly is itch. <laughs> <laughs> Like coming home, high fiving your kids because you got chased off campus by a security guard. It's like yeah. I promise, guys, I used to be way cooler than I am now. So a guy just pulled up in a car and said, All right, get off the lawn. <laughs> well, welcome back to the Larkast. Um, if you are new, uh, Russ and I have been going through the Gospel of John. We finished up chapter one last week. We're bringing you weekly. Roughly 30 minute podcasts 
And if you know anything about us, if you've been tracking, you can go ahead and look at the Larkcast, the whole, you know, the whole catalog of, of episodes. You'll, you'll notice a very stark difference between the John podcast and the other ones. The other ones would go like hour plus, and these um, we've been trying to stay right around 30 minutes or under. And we've actually been doing pretty good. I'm actually proud of us. Yeah, um, we've been we've been sticking we've been sticking with it, but we're taking uh, small chunks at a time and just going through the Gospel of John and looking at it through the lens of it is finish. Our goal is to not exhaust every passage with every single detail. Um, we're not going to get you know a ton into you know the Greek and all that. Like we look at that kind of stuff, we're aware of some of that, but I think this is more of um, a conversation of looking at the scriptures through the lens um, of Jesus really is who he said he was. He really did um, yeah. and accomplished what he set out to accomplish. It really is finished. And Jesus is someone that we can rest in um, and trust in instead of someone that calls us to a life of hard spiritual work and exhaustion. And uh, we're doing this for your encouragement. We're doing this so that you can know that you're free. We're doing this so that you can know that you're loved and to live love, to live a life loved. And so that's the whole reason we're doing this. And we, today we're going to be in John chapter two. And um, I'm pretty excited um, about this passage because we're heading to a wedding and obviously we're in summer. Dude, you might be, you might be listening to this podcast heading to a wedding on a road trip. Very true. Right now. So we're headed to a wedding. I'm sure your summer is going to be filled with at least one wedding. And so this is what is known as the very first recorded miracle of Jesus. And it happened at a wedding. We're in John chapter two. I'm going to go ahead and read the passage and just dive in. Here we go. John two, verse one. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. So Jesus got his invitation and his plus 12. Um, I don't know if there's all 12 of them. Let's just assume there, there is. Um, but uh, the whole crew, the whole crew is there. First three, hey, uh, line. table for 26, please. <laughs> when the wine ran out, uh-oh, the wine ran out. The mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. This is a big deal, guys. Big deal. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Now, if you're reading that as an American in 2022, that's going to sound like super misogynistic and sexist. I promise you in the original language, it's, it's, it, it doesn't come across that way. Uh, no, woman is actually, a little bit more of a term of respect. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's endearing. Yes, it's uh, of acknowledgement and all that. So it doesn't doesn't come. See, I knew the Bible was misogynistic. No, it's 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 not. It's not that. Really? Uh, but he says, "Hey, like, what does this have to do with me? Um, why are you why are you coming to me with this? My hours yet to come." And his mother said to the servants, "Do whatever he tells you." Dang, dude, power move. Verse six. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, and they filled them to the brim. 
And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast, the MC, the head honcho. This dude's responsible for the whole event here. So they took it. Now, when the master of the feast tasted the water, it now had become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water, they knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom. So he calls the groom over and he says to him, everyone serves the good wine first. And when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine, the bad wine, but you have kept the good wine until now. Verse 11. This is the first of his signs Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. So Mm -hmm. when we kick this whole thing off, I've been mentioning it from the beginning. John's purpose in writing his gospel is that you may know that Jesus is the son of God, like without a doubt, like lock it down in your head, in your heart. He is God from very God. He is God become flesh. He's the son of God come down to be with us. And so that you might believe, have confidence in him enough to believe in him and have life in his name. And so you're going to see this theme all throughout John's gospel. There'll be a scene, there'll be a moment. And at the end, John will just make a quick little brief mention about people believing in him, meaning it's happening. It's, you know what I'm saying? The, 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 the purpose of all this is, is happening. So this one ends with the disciples believing in him. So a few things to make mention of here before we dive in. We are used to going to weddings. If you're even part of a wedding, it might take up a whole weekend, a Friday, a Saturday, a Sunday. You have, you know, the rehearsal, you have, you know, the reception or the, um, you know, the, the rehearsal dinner, you have the actual event, right? You have dinner, you know, dancing, all that, but pretty much like you're done in a weekend, a Saturday and a Sunday, you know, a Friday and a Saturday. If you're just attending, it's just one day. But in first century um, uh, Jewish culture, dude, these weddings lasted upwards of a week and sometimes even more. Yeah. Like it was a full blown, like seven to 14 days, people traveling in, setting up camp and just hanging out. And the groom was on the hook to provide all the wine for the entire wedding celebration so either he made the wine himself or he bartered locally to get it anyways it was his responsibility to provide all the wine in first century jewish culture it's a shame culture very much like the east so to run out of wine to not have enough is it's this is a big deal this is a really really big deal Um, And you can imagine the embarrassment if you were throwing a graduation party or even though maybe you're doing a DIY wedding or something like that. And you're not, you know, hiring like a company, like a catering service Um, to run out of wine is still pretty embarrassing times that by like 10. And that's kind of like what you're experiencing here. So this is a real crisis. Yeah. So Mary um, comes to Jesus and she's thinking to herself, okay. I know this family, we're obviously invited, we're on the guest list. Jesus, you are too. So there's a friends of this family. They're in a really bad place. And she's like, I'm going to go to the only person I know who can do something about this, which is Jesus. Yeah, and she's so, got uh, a little for, more inclination of who he is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we were talking about this else. last night at my community. It's like when you know, normally people find out they're pregnant through like a test. 
yeah. know, like, oh, I peed on a stick and it's two lines for Mary. It's like, yeah, an angel visited me yeah. and yeah. I was a virgin and told me that I'm pregnant with you. Like as soon as Jesus gets to be of age, like yeah. five, six, seven, you know, where you can start having these conversations, she, you know, right away. She's like, okay. Uh, do you know anything about this? Like, yeah. <laughs> what's up? <laughs> hey, mom, uh, where do babies come from? <laughs> well, son, <laughs> for everyone else in existence, yeah, this is how it happens. But with so, you, yeah. yeah. So you just you can just imagine Mary being clued in from a much you know earlier time as to what who Jesus is his, his purpose, his abilities, you know, all that, all that kind of stuff. Even Pam was like, man, you think like, you know, Mary was like cooking dinner in a pinch and like, you know, she was like, Jesus, can you make this beef just cook a little faster? <laughs> and I'm like, you know, it's just funny to kind of like imagine how all that would work out. But anyway, so Mary comes to Jesus and is like, Hey, like they're in a bad spot. And Jesus is like, man, like, what, why are you coming to me? Like my hours yet to come, which you can, which right from there, you can tell Jesus is already at this place. Like he knows who he is. He knows the things about to kick off soon, but he wasn't expecting it to kick off like this. It's yeah. pretty soon, but not right now. And Mary, now. Yeah. Mary pulls this only a move a mother could pull in verse five and says, his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. And she just walks away. Yeah. Almost like, yeah, this isn't a discussion. Um, my friends are like really in a bad spot right now. And I know you're here with all these excuses about my time and all this other stuff. She's like, yeah. She just turns to the service and is like, just do whatever he tells you to do. It just walks away. He's got this. You can totally see a mom doing that. Like, like yeah. my wife, and I know Krista does this too. Like your wife, you know, your kids are just lipping off or whatever. And you're just like, yeah, this really isn't a discussion. So this is, this is happening. Yeah. But I think there's something beautiful here because I think Mary knows, I think Mary knows something about, um, she knows something about her son and she knows what is true about the heart of God, because Jesus came to reveal the heart of God. John chapter one, 18, the only God um, the unseen God, this, this one, Jesus, God made flesh has come to reveal him, to make him known. Yep. And Jesus knows something about Jesus, which is true about the heart of God in that Jesus can't help, but to help those who need help. Yeah. He can't help, but to help and care for those who are desperate and in need. And that, that sympathetic heart that um, that compassionate heart um, really kicks in here for Jesus. And as you'll see throughout, you know, the gospels and in John in particular, there's been a number of moments where people come to Jesus for him to do miracles, either to prove himself like, yeah. Hey, okay. So, so prove you're from the father or yeah. maybe for entertainment purposes, you know, like after the feeding of the 5,000, maybe even for practical purposes, like, uh, Hey, you fed us last night for dinner. And now like, where's my sausage egg McMuffin, you know? And he just will like, no, he's just not going to do miracles in those circumstances. He's not interested in proving himself. He's not interested in entertaining you, but if you really want to tap into how God is interested in helping people 
and helping the world. He's interested in helping a world that's in, in need. Yeah. That's in real need who comes to him out of desperation, out of brokenness. And this, I love this passage because it really talks about and speaks to that compassion, that sympathy, that heart that God has for sinners. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like, even in this case of the, of the wedding, it's the groom's responsibility to provide the wine for the festivities and for everybody that's there. So you just know that there's this dude, right? Going in, this is wedding week, man. And this is a really big deal. And the weight of this situation is all lying on his shoulders. man. Yeah. And you could definitely get this sense that I think Mary as a mom, probably, you know, just, just seeing that my own mother and of course, you know, watching my, my wife, which I think she's just, a, just a fantastic mom to our kids, man. I, I really do see that, believe that, know that to be true about her, you know, for 24 years now, like just seeing that mom, like, yeah, we gotta, we gotta help this guy out mm-hmm. guys do whatever he tells you. <laughs> yeah. And walks yeah, away. And there's, <laughs> There's a passage in Hebrews. I'm going to kind of botch it up, but he basically says, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every way was made human. And he, he knows he can sympathize. Um, He knows what it's like to be flesh and blood because God learned that through becoming, you know, flesh and blood. So it's really tapping into there. And I, and I think it in a broader sense, and you know, and you know this, Russ. Like, who are the people? Um, and even in your own story and my story, like, when, when did I really start to like pay attention? To yeah. start asking like the tough questions, or even like last week when you said, "Come and see." When was I open to coming and seeing? When was I in a place where I was open to that? And it was in a be. time of 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 lowliness, a time of humility, of desperation, of need, of 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 brokenness, and. I don't know why this is the case that we really come in tune and are open to life's bigger, more important questions or open or cued in on the who truly matters and what truly matters as we are in our, in our place of need and maybe not in the heights of celebration, but it's just kind of just tends to work that way. Yeah. I mean, adults learn on a need to know, on a need to know basis. We know this to be true, but I think, you know, it's adults are also only open to something outside of themselves. Okay. They only come to that place of vulnerability when, when they're in the need to know, when they're in that point of need, that's it. I don't think there's any other way around it. Yeah. So definitely this, uh, this, and it's interesting that um, Jesus at this point is really only dealing with the servants. Mary comes to him. The servants are there. The groom doesn't come to him. The bride doesn't come to him. The mother or the father of the bride or the groom. It's pretty much just Mary and the servants. And so this whole thing centers around the servants. It begins with the need of the servants, because think about it. They're at the forefront of serving people. They're the ones that are going to feel like the brunt of what do you, well, what do you mean? There's no more wine. What do you mean? There's no more, no more food, you know, kind of a thing. They're the ones that are dealing with that. 
So it begins with the need of the servants. It involves the participation of the servants. And the only ones, dude, get this, the only ones who are in on what Jesus did at this wedding are the servants. The master of the feast, the guy who's the MC of the whole event, like he's in charge of regulating food, drink, entertainment. He's in charge of like everything. Like the buck stops with him when it comes to this thing. Even he's not in on what happened. In fact, when he gets his hands on the water turned into wine, he straight up goes to the groom. Like he goes right to the groom because he thinks that he is responsible for this. And he goes, yo, he's like, I do weddings all the time. This is like my job. And he's like, when I do, they always serve the best stuff first. And then once everyone's been drank freely is what he says. So you get the sense of like, people are just drinking freely. Like it's definitely yeah. like a straight up party eating and drinking. Then they bust out the Boone's farm. Then they bust out the barefoot, you know, that, that bottom shelf wine. Yep. He goes, but you, you save the best for last. And so really quick, we have to say, we know this is not, you know, made up, make believe, fictional, non-alcoholic Baptist wine. We know that that's not the wine that's going on here. No. Um, and I can't believe that's even like a conversation that we have to have, but this is like some straight up good stuff. Yeah, this is, this is a party. Okay. And when you look, if you want to go back, if you're new to the Larkas, go back and listen to some of the parables that we unpack, these stories that Jesus tells about what God is like. You definitely get this sense that this is a God who, who loves to throw a party and be a part of the festivity, man, the joy, the laughter, the dancing, the, the, the good food, the good wine. Like this is, this is who he is. Yeah. And yeah, the idea that this is, yeah, man, like uh, I do weddings all the time and dude, the Welch's that comes out later, it's not the same as that Welch's that we get at the beginning. Dude, I've had like, grape juice before, but I've never had any <laughs> grape juice like this. <laughs> Never mind the fact that the word literally means fermented drink. <laughs> well, that was only to but... kill off the, uh, you know, the parasites in the, in the water. Oh gosh. Anyways, I, I felt like we had to bring that up, but I think it's interesting that for, for Jesus, this whole thing, this whole thing happens by involving the lowliest people there. That's that to me is the heart of that whole story. The whole thing happens and unfolds and involves and includes and in front of the eyes of the lowliest people. Only they knew. Only they knew. And dude, I was just thinking about this, like for me, and I'm just like, I just love attention, like for good or for good (laughs) or for bad. Like you can like, dude, you can just be making fun of me. But as long as I'm the topic of conversation, like I'm pretty happy. And, um, there's, there's some redeeming parts of that, you know, when it comes to just like maybe rallying people or being a leader or something like that. But there's a lot of like self-sabotaging, like ugly, like stuff that comes from that too. Um, you know, more than I, I would, I would like to admit. And it's like, dude, if this was me, I'd be like, okay, I'm like clinging a glass. I'm like, cling, 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 you know, like attention, everyone, attention, everyone. Yes. We've run, we <laughs> We've run out of wine. We've run out of wine. It has come to me, my attention, that we're out of wine. And yeah. I will now 
produce wine out of this water. I, like, I totally would play it like that to be the yeah. hero, to get the accolades, to get the clap, you know, the claps, to get, you know, everyone coming up <laughs> to me afterwards, you know, all that. I would totally play it that way. But here's Jesus, dude, in the basement off to the side, like behind the grill, like where the servants and the and the cooks hang out. Yeah. And this problem comes up and only he and the servants and Mary know about it. And he just does it and doesn't make a big deal about it. Yeah. He makes 150 gallons of the best wine you ever had. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you know how you guys are all like just having a blast right now from drinking all the wine and all through all our time together. Yeah. Well, I'm about to, I'm about to bring that to a whole new level. It just, and, for me, it, it just pointed and out only that we're going to know about it. That's the yeah. craziest part, man. Yeah. It's like, the like the work of the kingdom, the work of the king of the kingdom oftentimes just goes unnoticed by the yeah. public eye. It happens in obscurity. It happens in the quietness, even of your heart and your mind. Um, yeah. It rarely happens in the public sphere um, or in a marketing campaign uh, with corporations with huge amounts of dollars behind it. Um, it happens in back alleys, you know, and side streets in quiet places in places where only servants and cooks hang out. And there's something about that, dude, even just like his birth, you know, like it wasn't a comet that just came down from the sky and like left this huge crater. You know what I'm saying? With this baby in this capsule kind of a thing, like, Oh my gosh, who is the way this? we would have done it. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. With all this hubbub and publicity and you know, all that. And I just, there's something, there's something beautiful, you know, about that. And I think if you know, if you know, God, if you, if you've met Jesus, you know, that you've met him in desperation, in need, and oftentimes in quietness and obscurity in your story. And it just slowly kind of begins to build and grow this work yeah. of God. Yeah. It's, it's only like, think about this. God becomes flesh. He's born. Look who he's born to. Look where he's born at. It's stable. Yeah. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Right. The most podunk place that no one wants to associate with. Right. As we just saw last week in the podcast that Nathaniel brought up. That's where Jesus's right adoptive father comes from, Joseph. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, he's, he's this carpenter, man. And he only tells the shepherds. The shepherds, the lowly, the lowest of the low, man. It's like the, the shepherds on night shift. Yeah. That's who got invited to witness the birth of God and humanity. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I know we're running out of time here, but really quick, the last thing that I want to point out from this is um, it's interesting that Jesus uses the stone water jars used for this Jewish rites of purification. Um. And I could be stretching this a bit, but it's like at every turn in Jesus ministry, and you'll see this, he shows how futile religion is to truly know and be known by God. And so here you have these jars and they're only used for this like washing purification ceremony so that sinners can wash themselves and be holy and acceptable before God. I don't know a few podcasts we went back, like religion is creed, cult, conduct, believe this way worship this way and behave this way. 
And so here you have this whole culture, this whole community is steeped in this kind of like religion. Like you have to wash your hands and your body in a certain way before you can just relate to God. So here's these jars. They're made for this, this cult, this ritual. Um, but they're of zero practical use or help for anybody in this scenario. These jars that are so important for religion and ritual are sitting off to the side and are of zero practical use or help for everyday people in this scenario. And I think it's just a good metaphor to picture religion off in the corner, really being, I don't want to be, I don't want to be too harsh, but I really want to say it this way, being absolutely useless, offering zero real true help when it comes to relating to God. And that, and that here is God made flesh who actually is here as a human with a heart of compassion and sympathy. And he involves himself in, in our everyday lives, in our everyday crisis moments. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, dude, if you're in the shit, like you're going to find religion is very empty. It might offer you a false sense of like you doing and accomplishing something. But dude, you need someone who knows where you're at, who knows brokenness, who knows need, who has sympathy and can come and empty and meet you at the end of your virtuous rope, your moral rope, your financial rope, your relational rope, whatever it might be. You need someone who has been made low, who's come down from heaven, not someone to offer you a jar, assist like some ritual purification ritual so that you can make your way up to heaven but someone who's come down amen to that man amen to what he's like to how he moves how he chooses to to move on our behalf in the ways that are just simple and ordinary yeah well that's about wraps it up for bible time with russ and tony to that we say cheers cheers cheers